And welcome to One Control Bar Podcast, episode 230. I'm Benjamin Yoder. Not here today, actually. I am in Florida or on a plane, one of the two, um, but I'm out, I'm out of town. So, so in hearing my voice here or looking at my face, just know this is not me of this weekend. It was me of last weekend. So this is actually just after I recorded the last podcast. I will say this, um, that last podcast was already kind of light in terms of content. So coming into this podcast, uh, I do not have any updates on games or news. So it's going to be kind of a rambly episode. I'm probably just going to talk about um, some stuff, <laughs> uh, particularly around, uh, I think, around the channel a little bit, as well as just some general thoughts I had about games as a whole um, and, and things like that. So, so it's going to be kind of rambly. Then we might talk about some specific games towards the end. I don't know quite sure i'm not quite sure yet depends on how this podcast goes but anyways what i want to talk about this week i think is is well first let's start with the the, the channel itself um so if, if, if you're familiar with this channel um or if you're this is your first podcast please go watch something else <laughs> but um for this channel uh, you know i think I've been pretty public about how I don't really know what I'm doing this channel in terms of like what what I want it to be. Um, if you look at you know where my channel came from, it, it largely came from just the fact that I had trouble finding people to talk to that I want to talk about the particular games I'm talking about, right? Like, I wanted to talk about Shenmue 2, but nobody at the time was talking about Shenmue 2, right? Or at least the people who were talking about Shenmue were talking about Shenmue 1. I'm like, no, I want to talk about Shenmue 2. Um, so I started going on the internet and started writing, you know, reviews and things like that of questionable quality, but I did those. Um, and so a lot of what I was doing is, I think, kind of just fulfilling that kind of whole of, like, Ben has an interest in this thing. And Ben wants to look into this stuff and, and not only play a game, but also research around the game and then convey that to people. And I think that's a lot of what this channel is. Um, I think I am less concerned about whether you play a game that I recommend or not, honestly. Um, it's something that people have told me in the past, too, of just like, hey, I think your videos are interesting. I don't want to play the games you talk about, but you're looking at some weird stuff. And I, I totally respect that, honestly. Um, even like... Even if like I, I, even if it's like a game you have played, like I have my videos that I've done that are like you know Valkyria Revolution, which are games that were pretty negatively received, or Mighty Number no. Nine. Like my goal is not to necessarily convince you that you will enjoy Valkyria Revolution or that you will enjoy Mighty Number no. Nine. My goal is instead to make you, make you, um, to, to, to hopefully you know have you understand why somebody else. Um, might have a different perspective on something. So, so when I tell you about why I like Mighty Number no. Nine, I, I want to lay out those things of why why I like it without denying the problem elements of that game. Right? Like I'm not sitting there telling you that Mighty Number no. Nine is a perfect game that's perfectly fine the whole way through, or Valkyrie Revolution, or anything like that. But I want to tell you why I enjoyed it and like kind of highlight the the elements of the game that made it stand out to me, especially when I think they're unique elements. Because sometimes, uh, or maybe a lot of the games I look at, it's not necessarily that a game uh does a good job of handling certain elements but the idea that they even tried to um really jumps out at me totally spies totally party game recently played through should be a casual review going up at some point hopefully um it, that game uh i would say it's not a good game it's it's not very fun to play 
But the board game elements of it, it's a party game, so it's kind of like Mario Party, are, are very cool. It has kind of a like unique concept around it because the Totally Spies are like a group of people, right, that are on a team. And uh, and so you're like cooperative, cooperatively battling a boss on this minigame board and dropping traps down and using gadgets. And it's kind of like a combat board game. Again, I don't think I would ever recommend anybody play it. <laughs> at least not just coming with an inquisitive eye rather than like just straight up enjoying it. Um, but, but, but my goal there is not to tell you to play Totally Spice, Totally Party. It's to kind of like focus and show you, you know, what, what a game has that has value in it. Because a lot of times I think people um, have a hard time kind of, I don't know if being sympathetic is the right word, but understanding like an, a a different perspective on a game. Um, it's, it's something I always say about like when somebody complains about fans who like something is when they say like, how can you like that? Um, I think the better question is, is why do you like that kind of thing? Right? Because obviously this group of people have an opinion. I got a picture of Sonic 06 sitting behind me um, right now. And like, Sonic 06, especially when it came out, trashed game, right? Everybody was was trashing it. And, like, I don't think anybody who is a fan of Sonic 06 necessarily denies the problems it has. But I think there are there are fans today that grew up with that game that are uh, that took the time to kind of realize what was good about Sonic 06. And and they kind of have have I don't know if cherished that is the right word, but they have they have continued to hold that game close to them while the rest of the industry has kind of moved on. And like when, when you see like a group of people springing up 10 years later that are like, Hey, I was a kid and I liked Sonic 06 and here's why it's interesting to see what made them um, like that game. Uh, There's also someone that was, I was in a, when we were playing quest 64 on stream, I joined a quest 64 discord. And one thing that was mentioned in there was like, they're the person who preferred final fantasy or preferred quest 64 over final fantasy seven. And, you know, I, I think, and even myself sometimes, like, wow, that, that is an extreme opinion, like, to me, personally. Um, but, like, a, instead of just being, like, wow, they are crazy, what, what's, <laughs> like, like you, what you should do is be, like, well, why is that the case? And not, like, why in terms of, like, trying to prove them wrong. It's why be curious, like, like, uh, like listen to them and see what, what they, what they like about a game. And, and is I think that is like a much healthier conversation um, because you get these different perspectives and this idea that like, and this idea that like video game reviews are completely objective is, is such a weird thing to me. Yes, there are facts about a game for sure, but like how somebody receives a game and what they value in games. I mean, that's a whole other thing. I think you guys know well enough that like I, what I value in games is incredibly different than what most people value in games. I would hope that you don't come to me asking about like the next call of duty, you know, you're purchasing advice about whether or not you should buy in the next call of duty right unless there's something cool in that call of duty game <laughs> but but um but just like understanding why that person feels that way i think it does a really good job of of helping you figure out what people like about a game um it's something that i i think i still struggle with from time to time you know i'm, I'm not a fan of near automata and what i have heard people say about near automata i don't really s- <laughs> i don't see the value in a lot of the things that people like about near automata but i will say this Automata, whatever it's called. Um, I will say this about that is that like I can at least understand how people got to or, or rather why that game has such like a a, a, a excited fan base around it. Um, and in my opinion, a lot of it comes down to being a story that leaves a lot of gaps, right? 
a lot of gaps that the player can fill on their own. And they put down just the right like crumbs to kind of connect those gaps kind of thing without having to actually write the story. And, and for me personally, I hate that kind of stuff because I'm just like, I just want you to, to tell me what the story of this video game is, please. And thank you. <laughs> but but to other people, it's like well, the, the story that they are able to 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 build out from that is a is a very um powerful thing right like like the, the ties are able to put together and like that speculation and 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 using other media to kind of help weave those bridges together is, a, is an interesting thing um i think probably to some degree in my opinion it feels like overthinking it a lot of the times um but like i said like the, the developers left those gaps there intentionally so and it's not like the, the choices were made like just like because they're lazy or something like that right no it's like specific choices they made because it it works with the story, right? And like, and and it, and it works with, with getting that fan base involved and getting their minds moving and excited. Um, but like, part of the reason why like, I like the original Nier is because the core story itself, I think, still completely fits that like, you know, typical storytelling that goes on. Um, and then the other stuff that goes on with the story is like supplementary and like it helps flesh out those parts. But it doesn't necessarily rely on them, where I think not Automata relies on them. But yeah, like, like I think like when I first played Automata, I was just like, "What are you guys doing? Enjoying this video game? This is a wreck to me." Like near Automata is still one of the most disappointing games to me of all time. But you know, obviously everybody else feels very differently. <laughs> so, so yeah. So I think just learning to come to understandings of the people is like something that I think is really valuable. And I hope like the same way, you know, when when you guys hear my opinions on things, you, you understand that. Uh, not only if you agree with me, but also um, if you don't agree with me kind of thing. And if you do agree with me on things, I think I think it's important not to use my videos and my point of view as like a, hey, look, this person gets it kind of thing, right? I have my own opinion, right? And stuff like that. But that doesn't necessarily mean that you should should use my video as like, a, well, this guy did the actual work for understanding this game. I feel like to some degree... Um, that kind of happened with the Battle and Wonderworld video where people were like, oh, you, you're actually giving this game the what it deserves or the journalists, you know, uh, aren't. <laughs> but, but you know, Battle and Wonderworld is, is a unique uh, scenario, I feel like. <laughs> Very much in the line of Mighty Number no. 9 there. Um, but, you know, it, it, it's something that I think is, um, I think it's just good to be open and listen because typically if somebody feels a certain way there's a reason they feel that way right if, if they like a game or anything like that it doesn't come from nowhere um and so it's just like learning about how they how they get there i'm not saying you have to necessarily agree with that person but but i think it's good to understand that person and and, and where they come from with that um i think that's probably true a lot with like like a lot of drama online with games as well like uh, Maybe it's just because I'm old. I got a bunch of old people behind me because I I feel like I'm being an old man and talking about all these things. Um, uh, video game drama online is probably some of my least favorite drama nowadays, but it's probably just because I've interacted with it so much. But I feel like so much happens that people act like is the end of the world and is just like gone within a week, right? Uh, I think you could say this about news in general honestly there's like very few things that actually stick around in terms of stories and and i want to specify when i talk about video game drama in terms of news i'm not talking about like hey labor problems at a company or something like that or 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 sexual abuse scandals at a company right that's a whole other thing outside of my purview i'm a dude who plays video games i don't know anything about unions or or you know what constitutes as you know some kind of sexual assault case or something like that right um i i am a i i have no 
no expertise in that regard. Um, but uh, but stuff like you know the the whole thing that happens with the Pokemon Sword and Shield drama, where like people were freaking out about IGN giving that game a good review and things like that, and and obviously they had their individual complaints about it. Um, but like it's it's one of those things where I kind of roll my eyes at a lot of it now and i feel bad because like if i'm vocal about rolling my eyes about it i feel like i'm just dragging myself into that drama too and contributing to the fire that's going on without without really i really just need to ignore it as much as possible kind of thing but but most things especially when it comes to like video game things it's just it doesn't matter man and like it will be gone in like a week or two or whatever most of the time um so it's just it's just it's, it's really hard for me to get like super energetic of that stuff. Maybe you know, again, it's one of those things that I think there's something to be said about understanding somebody's uh, stance on something like with the God, like recently they announced like God of War for PC. And I saw people like, you know, talking about people who get upset about, you know, exclusives moving away from the platform. But I'm like, well, you know, there's the part of it where it's like uh, to some people like PlayStation is their like part of their identity if not maybe a little too much of their identity and that's maybe not a healthy thing but like that that explains why that happens right um so so you like it you can pretty easily come to conclusion of like why people react this way or why certain people react this way um so it's just like i don't know where i was going with that but but anyway i just think like some of the drama with video game stuff in recent well not in recent years it's just my my opinions and stances have changed because i definitely was there too right if you go look at my vg charts um uh articles when i was over at what was that called it was like uh something was it games beat or something like that i don't know what it was called um but the vg charts articles i did a long time ago that is peak uh <laughs> you know ben just kind of writing garbage on the internet kind of thing that they're mostly terrible articles there's a few rare ones i think that hold up but the majority of them are pretty bad. Admittedly, I was like writing three featured articles a week there. But, but like I think you know when you're younger in general, like it's 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 easier to be like, oh, this is this this stuff matters more, way more than it should, right? Um, and as I've gotten older, I think I've definitely moved away from that in a lot of parts of my life, not just video games. Um, and I think also being like in a journalism major, it helped a lot too, or you ask a lot more questions about like why certain things are certain ways and why people are reacting in certain ways rather than just being like, ah, those Pokemon fans being crazy over there kind of thing. Um, but, but yeah, I think, but uh, one thing I should say about that though, is that I'm not saying that you can't be critical online, right? You can't like, you can go on the internet and be like, wow, that, that $50 thing that, that, you know, with Nintendo switch online stuff, that's kind of excessive and bullshit. <laughs> um, but I think it's when people start to make it like a crusade, right? Or, or like start harassing people online that it really becomes an issue. So I think it's really, there's nothing wrong with being critical of something and like, you know, talking about it and, and, and being like, well, you know, I, I prefer this over this or something like that, or even with games themselves in general. Right. I think, I think one of those things that I, I kind of hate seeing people say is like, if you don't have anything positive to say, don't say it at all. Um, that's, that's not necessarily the context they're using per se, but some people interpret that as like people saying, Hey, just don't say anything at all. If you don't like something, it's, it's more of just don't go after somebody who's being positive about a game and just like immediately slam them with like negative thoughts. If you really kind of have no business being there, I think it's more about just not being rude to people online. You know, if, if you're sitting there, you know, 
tweeting very positively on something, it doesn't make a lot of sense for me to come in and be like, well, you think this? Well, this game is a bunch of bullshit. Um, unless you have a lot of like questions or or if it just makes sense, I think, to, to uh, like with certain people like online, if I know them, I, I might chime in a little bit. But it, it, it's more of just like, hey, you know, I, I, I didn't particularly like this aspect of the game, but like that that part's cool kind of thing. Yeah, that kind of stuff. Right. Um, versus just like going over there and being like, how could you fucking like this? You traitor. <laughs> I thought we were model of soft fans together and you like Xeno uh, Gears. Wow. Awful human being. <laughs> I do not like Xeno Gears, by the way. I don't dislike Xeno Gears. Don't listen. Don't, don't, don't take that word too hard for me. I'm not a huge Xeno Gears. Fan. I'm not a huge Xeno Gears or Saga fan. Um, so, so yeah. Um, and sometimes, you know, I think it's important to know that you will be a hypocrite sometimes. That is just something that happens. You're human beings. It's going to mess up and, and do things wrong and, and say things you'll regret later. And that's, that's kind of normal. Huh. Anyways, that's kind of a random line of thoughts I had there. Um, whether or not that amounted to anything is a whole other thing. Um, I was staring at my audacity meter the entire time instead of looking at you guys. Sorry about that. Um, but yeah, so I think what we're going to do for the rest of this podcast is uh, just do something that I like to call the video gaming bit. If you don't remember, this used to be a regular feature that we did every week, and then my podcast got too long, and I started cutting it. Um, this is where I go to my backloggery, where I keep an entire list of the games I've played and whether I've beaten them or not. Ideally, um, sometimes I miss stuff, but um, and there's like a feature called the fortune cookie feature. And you can just go ahead and basically pull a random game out of a hat there. I don't really know how the random generator works. I feel like I generally get a lot of the same games when I use the, the fortune cookie feature, but uh, maybe I maybe I'm just overthinking it. Um, but anyways, so we're going to pull a random game and I'm just going to talk about whatever comes to mind, assuming it's a game that I can actually chat about, like Botankaitos Origins for the GameCube. So Botankaitos Origins is a game I don't feel like I've talked too much about on the channel, thankfully. Um, and if you don't know, this is a, a model of soft um, Japanese role playing game uh, that is is on the GameCube. So if you, you're probably somewhat... Well, I don't know. I'm always kind of surprised how many people, Xeno fans, are like are aware that Botankaitos exists, but it really doesn't know what it is. But it's like a card game RPG on the GameCube. Um, it is maybe one of my favorite GameCube or maybe favorite JRPGs in general, to be honest with you. Um, although I think Skies of Arcadia is always looming over sh over my shoulder being like, you like me the most, don't you? And I'm like, yes, Skies of Arcadia. I do like you the most. But Botankaitos is pretty good, too. <laughs> um, but Botankaitos Origins is maybe the start of me kind of realizing um, something with Monolith Soft. And then that is, I think Monolith Soft does their best work when they are working on new IP. Um, so if, if you, you know, you probably have heard me before be like, I wish Monolith Soft would move on from something Xeno related um, because I'm desperate for them to do something new. And I think Botankaitos is the original, or Botankaitos Origins is the original uh, thought of that because this is a GameCube game that came out after the original one. It's a prequel technically. Um, and it, takes a lot of the core um, world design and mechanics from Botankaitos, and I think in some ways they tried to improve upon it by building on certain layers, taking out certain elements to kind of make the game a bit more streamlined, things like that. And um, it's not that Botankaitos Origins is not a good game, uh, but I think it's just a game that doesn't really give me the same feeling that I get from playing any model, uh, other model of soft games, because... What I really want is to jump into a game and kind of have no idea what's going on. I want to see a battle system and be like, I don't know what the fuck this is. <laughs> like, that is my model of soft barometer of like, 
on what level do I not understand this? And the higher that is when they show off a trailer, the better I feel. Um, but Valiant Kytus Origins game, you can look at it and be like, okay, I get what they're trying to do. And like, and to some degree, it kind of limits the, the gameplay in a way that I think is a little um, um, detrimental to, to, to kind of the game parts of that game that really kind of was the, the big combat payoff. Uh, but I think whenever they try to kind of build upon and improve elements of their their past games, they always end up kind of reining them in. Almost always. Xenosaga Episode 2 is a rare exception there. But they, they very, very much feels like they're kind of reining the, the ties in to kind of clip away the parts of the battle system that don't necessarily work. But I think they're a little overzealous in what they clip out. And so they end up creating games that feel like they've lost something. And while they may have added something, the fact that they're so close to that original game, um, it always kind of feels like it's a pick your poison kind of thing where it's like, yeah, okay. They reduce the amount of like card deck building you have to do and like the complexity of the number of cards you have and how they work and and just in general streamlined everything um but but you're losing a lot of when it comes to like the 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 like the fact that like the original uh, the end of the original Botan kaitos i like almost one-shotted the final boss because i just had the ultimate hand that was delivered to me i was like yes 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 i'm going to destroy this boss <laughs> and it was kind of crazy i wish i captured games back then this was a long time ago i didn't even have a capture card in like 2007 maybe like that i don't know i mean i guess you'd probably use a vcr or dvd recorder back then um but anyways so so i think that is something that i i think has always been a problem with Molosoft games is that whenever they try to improve a game that they've already built upon, they almost always trim away too much. And so it creates something that feels a little less than the previous game they made, even though in some ways it's probably technically a better game uh, as well. Um, I feel this way with Xenoblade Chronicles X to some degree when it comes to the combat system itself. Um, But at the same time, Xenoblade Chronicles X is doing so much more than Xenoblade Chronicles in terms of world design and quest system, stuff like that, that once I've realized just how different that game was structurally, I was like, okay, like, yes, my initial feeling was that this game is kind of giving me a lesser version of what I wanted out of Xenoblade Chronicles 1, um, but it is expanding in so many different other ways that it kind of, it, it, it pays off to some degree. Uh, and Xenoblade Chronicles 2, I think, kind of revamped that combat system so extensively that it, um thankfully feels like something completely new in a lot of ways um so maybe that that curse maybe not even a curse maybe that just my my paranoia from that one video game about monolith messing up their sequels <laughs> has driven my feelings i think a lot on 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 what i want monolith to do going forward because at the end of the day like even xenomic chronicles 2 like i'm happy that game turned out as well as it did although i think it's kind of a mess in a lot of ways i'm still you guys know, I'm still surprised just how well Xenoblade Chronicles 2 did, given I think that game has a lot of problems in like a very Botan Kaitos 1 kind of way of just like, this is kind of half broken. <laughs> but not half broken, but there are a lot of issues with it. There's a lo- steep learning curve with a lot of mechanics and a lot of them don't work as well as they should to some degree. Um, but anyways, they, the, 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 I, I still think that, that the initial excitement of learning something completely new with model soft is still my favorite feeling i get from that developer rather than being like okay how does this connect to the previous game and like well, oh here's the topple mechanics are still here okay admittedly the topple mechanic stuff kind of came out of xenosaga to some degree so it's more of a model soft consistent thing that that the topple 
uh, launch mechanic there is still around. Um, I feel like I don't really interact with their like topple launch mechanics all that much anymore, just because it's kind of old in my opinion. I'm just like ah, I don't really want to play with this. I want to play with the other aspects of the, the combat. Um, but you know, you're you're kind of forced to interact with it once you start getting a highest higher damage output. Thankfully, the topple mechanics are very easy to deal with as long as you have a good character setup. But again, it's one of those things that it's like sit down and really like mess with the menus a lot. So Final Cactus Origins. I will say Millie. Is a good character from my memory. I liked Millie a lot. I like her character design a lot. She's the uh, the girl in that game. I also like that Gilo has like a double voice or whatever. So, so yeah, we're gonna pull another cookie. I actually don't know how long this podcast has been going on since I had to start recording it a couple times. So I'm just gonna pull another cookie and we'll just see where that takes us. It's S Zero GX. I don't want to talk about S Zero GX. I don't want to talk about Final Fantasy Twelve. I don't want to talk about No More Heroes. We were talking about No More Heroes recently. Now I'm just being picky. I'm just opening all these cookies till I find something I want to actually talk about. It's called being trash. I will say that I did try to like do some um, like ideas of where I like organize the list of games to talk about. But then I always am just like actually like the games I organize are just things I've already talked about a lot. So I don't really like I mean like five different Final Fantasy XI expansion packs here. I just need like a good game to talk about. That's not something we talked about recently. I got Goku Densetsu Warriors and DC Superhero Girls. And when do you explain them? I've talked about all these in recent years. Little Witch Academy. No. WarioWare. No. We play. Is we play worth, worth worth talking about? Let me think about this. Sword Art Online Hollow Fragment. Okay. This is actually worth talking about because I actually was thinking about this recently. Um, if you don't know Sword Art Online Hollow Fragment, um, I went through like 15 fortune cookies there. Everything like I don't want to talk about stuff I've already talked about on the podcast a ton in depth. I don't know how much I've talked about Sword Art Online Hollow our online hollow fragment on the podcast um pretty much leading up to the youtube channel being my focus um i did write like a series of articles about sort of online hollow fragment like three actually um I, it's a very complicated i have very complicated feelings about this game because if you don't know sort of online hollow fragment is a um vita game that is half new game half previous game so i think there's a psp game in the sort of online franchise called like infinite infinity something um, anyway, so there's a PSP game uh, that came out. It's Japan only. And then this game came out on PS Vita um, with a terrible translation. It's like one of the worst translations I've ever played from like a publisher like Bandai Namco. Bandai Namco is maybe not the best like and when it comes to, you know, good grammar and stuff during their, their games. And like, you know, there's a lot of text issues I found, especially like in the 2010s era, I feel like. Um, but uh, this game was horrendously bad um, in terms of translation. Anyways. Uh, but it was a, a, but they took that original PSP game and then kind of like tacked on a second game to it, uh, the Vita game. And they're kind of two different games, like like mechanically and how they play, at least in the, the Vita release, they kept the gameplay mechanics the same between them. And the, it's the same town, I think, as well that you're kind of navigating around. Um, and it's just like this weird thing where they have both games in the system or in the, 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 the world itself at once. So you have a centralized hub and then two different sets of content. But those content, like, aren't super, like, separated from each other. It's basically just, like, you choose to go out one exit or choose to go out the other exit kind of thing. Um, and if you choose the other exit, then you go and you do, like, the normal sort of online story stuff of, like, we're going to climb the tower and get up to floor 100 or whatever it's called. And um, and that part of the story um, is interesting in its own way. Um, maybe I'll touch on that a little bit. But uh, but you can go off and do that, that stuff. And, like, 
how they balance the game is very much for you to be able to jump into the new content directly. Um, but they don't really balance it in a way that that makes sense for the, some of the older content in the game. So from the PSP game. So you're almost always like overpowered when you're in like the PSP content as you go up this like this ladder of the world. But because two, both stories are like happening simultaneously, you can have like events that are kind of conflicting with each other where like maybe a character is in some sort of distress in one story. But then the other story, they're just like, you know, hanging around basically. But there's like just no separation of these things is it's the most like stapled together thing i've ever seen with a video game and i think some people might view it as like kind of lazy that they kind of added it on in this way but because it was done in this way i think it's just like bizarre to play because you're just basically having these two different very different games structurally as well because the 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 tower aspects on the psp game is like very linear very narrow like spaces you're going through and you go through these dungeons and you go through the boss dungeons or whatever but then the the hollow fragment world is this kind of like interconnected world that you're kind of roaming around and you're just kind of like finding different points on the map to kind of hit and like the, the area design is in general is a little bit more open but it's not like huge open world or anything like that but basically you can like you have different nodes that all connect to each other in different ways so like the, the actual like structural design of the games are also incredibly different and so like one nice thing about it is that at some point, like, the, the game is not that engaging. Um, so it gets very, like, uh, mindless at some point, no matter which one you're in. Um, and so what you can do is, like, okay, I'm kind of, like, zoning out on this 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 particular, you know, structure that I'm playing through over here. I'm going to go back to the other one and go to that. And so you, like, go back over, and then you get, to, like, a different structure with a different part of the story kind of thing. And it's just, like, this really weird thing as you're trying just progressing through two different games at once, you know, however you want. I mean, obviously you could go through one all at once if you want to, but I thought it was more interesting to kind of build them up side by side in a lot of ways. And like the story wise, there was not a lot of connections between them. Um, so it wasn't like a huge deal, but, but yeah. Uh, one thing I should say about that game too, is I, I kind of was starting to touch on earlier and then kind of stop myself is that I do feel like sort of online hollow fragment is maybe when it comes to the, the story of the original anime, um, maybe a better execution of it in some ways. Obviously, the translation's terrible, and like being a video game, it's obviously a very different way and different thing in terms of pacing. But more importantly, if you don't know, um, I guess some light sort of online spoilers. But the game, the show is pretty old at this point. Um, the, the original Sword Art Online is very. Um, has a very sudden end where basically they just get like jetted out of the MMO at one random point. I mean, there's a story reason why, but, but basically they, they don't even go to the top floor. They, they get out before that even happens. And then like this other story happens in this other MMO that, um, I think most people did not like at the time. Um, and it still had like kind of these light ties to the main story. Be like, Oh, some people are still trapped in the MMO. Um, but now they're trapped in this other MMO. And then, like, Kirito logs in and goes and does his stuff there. Um, and what Hollow Fragment does is it takes a lot of the story elements in that second MMO and brings them into the first MMO. So you go all the way to up to the, the 100th floor, and whatever's happening on the 100th floor story is more related to the game itself. Um, but but they do go through the story elements of that secondary MMO um, through that 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 pipeline it just feels more natural that way to me you know maybe there's there's something to be said about the shock value of like hey this anime was about this thing and then all of a sudden that thing just ends um without like, like very suddenly and then it transitions to the other thing and so maybe people are into that i know some people have said that the um secondary mmo sections of like a season almost always highlight other characters a bit more and so you get more like like uh, 
stories around the the surrounding cast rather than Kirito himself. Um, but I just still feel like that that initial story just feels a lot better encapsulated in the singular MMO. They get all the way to the top of floor 100. Admittedly, I feel like the elf MMO is maybe my my least favorite um, setting in the uh, sort of online universe. Between the few episodes I've seen, you know, I've only seen the the main story, the elf one, and then the uh, sort of online two where they go they go into the gun gale online or something like that the one that fatal bullets based off of um those are the ones i've watched so i have not kept up with sort of online so i don't know what other mmos they have introduced i know there's like i think it's like an ar mmo they they got into at some point i saw an ad this weekend with like a horse racing thing with kirito and a horse i was like yeah that's right if i would love for them to be like hey this is a whole season dedicated to horse racing kirito i would it's not that it is like a tie crossover tie in with uh, some like, um, you know, jockey thing and, and they're doing like a VR event. And so I think because of that, they were tying in sort of online to kind of match into that. But uh, I would if you're going to get me to watch a, a jockey anime, that is probably the way you're going to get me to do it. I'm not going to watch you Musume. I don't want to see a horse lady women running around a track it's perfectly fine i know a lot of people who enjoy that series i'm sure i would probably find value and enjoy it too that's it for this week thanks for coming and listening to ramble for a while um so i'll be back next week uh, i'm not going to say anything about what kind of content's coming up because i still have not really super finalized anything but now that October is over, I will very much be pushing hard to get stuff to you as soon as possible. Uh, this week, I can tell you, though, unless something happens, I will be st- streaming Sword of Ateria um, on Thursday uh, at 7 p.m. If you don't know what Sword of Ateria is, that it's a Konami third-person action game for the PlayStation 2, developed by uh, Konami Computer Entertainment Tokyo, specifically. Um, although, by the, t- by the time I think Tokyo's like lifespan was, was running out in terms of that developer, um, I think that they uh, were, were a pretty big organization with a lot of different people, kind of like an Omega Force kind of thing where you don't really know who's working on what unless you look at the credits, right? Um, but, you know, that's the same people who worked on Gun Gage, Nano Breaker, or same group of people, or same development team, I guess, branding, um, you know, the 3D Castlevania games, things like that. So, uh, I like it, or I like how it looks. It's based off Oz, apparently, so here's my second Wizard of Oz game without me knowing anything about Wizard of Oz, but it is very heavily, um, I think, not directly, it's not like, like, uh, the, um, Beyond the Yellow Brick Road on DS, where it's, like, very obvious it is, is it is Wizard of Oz, it is, I think, a lot looser in that regard, since it's, like, angels and stuff flying down the sky, and you're, like, a dude with a sword, and, <laughs> and, I don't know, you have, like, a lion man with you, and, like, a lady with wings, I don't know, I have no idea how close it ties into Oz, but I'm gonna guess not a ton, uh, but anyways, yeah, so that's happening, um, so look forward to that, otherwise, I'll talk to you next week, have a great week, Bye.